Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Smash it. <laughs> Insane in the membrane. <laughs> and it's, I mean, you know, this... Just before we, we we were talking to you, we were just doing something else, and then the internet just disappeared. It just vanished, and you're like, "This is the one thing we've got left." <laughs> Yummy! <laughs> just this is not. This wasn't in any of the films. Well, it was in some, but not. You never, th- you didn't think in a million years this would actually happen. We're all- Although saying that, we're supposed to be in a lockdown. There's like a traffic jam outside my flat. Where are you? There's, there's. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. In his lap. Yeah, when he was oh, when he was, when he was talking the other day, he's going, "Oh, they did something about the fish. Or at least they're they're British fish now." I'm like, shut up, you fucking idiot. yeah. Like this has nothing to do with fish and everything to do with you lot trying to hang on to your money. That's what this is, isn't it? All, yeah, arsehole. So we they. Of course it was. We all knew. Everybody knew. It, there was someone said famously, they were like, you know, it's like it's like quitting the gym, but then still expecting to be able to go in there and use the equipment. It's like it's, it's not gonna. Of course, this is all gonna be fucked. Every, and, and 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 now and now they're going. Oh yeah, now they're blaming. Now they're blaming us, the people that didn't vote for it. <laughs> like no, this is what you wanted. We told you it was gonna be a mess. Yeah, so it is. Yeah. <laughs> the thick and the selfish. Yeah. No. To where we're at. I know, I know. We had, a, we had a brief chat yesterday. You'd have to be, you'd have to be 
there has to be something wrong with you not to be not to have your mental health be troubled at this time you know you'd have to be a robot I think like to look five years younger. In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. A podcast from producer Paul UK. I tell you what, this the, the technology will will end. It just sends you over the edge, won't it? It just it's too remember, much. I don't remember Captain Kirk ever screaming into you know Star Date Log blah blah, <laughs> and they go, oh, sorry, "My mate. Bluetooth headphones." <laughs> Spot, sort this out. Yeah. Fucking, oh, I'd be constantly asking for a Vulcan death grip, I would. Um, <laughs> Just finish me off, mate. Just put me to yeah, sleep for come half on. an hour. Spock, these headphones are not working. <laughs> Grab the shoulder, son. Grab the shoulder. <laughs> put me out for 20 minutes. <laughs> Job done. <laughs> and it's, I mean, you know, this. just before we, we, we were talking to you, we were just doing something else, and then the internet just disappeared. It just vanished. And you're like, it's- this is the one thing we've got left. Yeah, it's crazy. It's 2021. We don't have flying cars like the Jetsons promised, <laughs> um, but we have got uh, a virus and a government that can't work out what to do. Yummy. It's, it's absolutely bonkers. <laughs> it just, this is not, this wasn't in any of the films. Well, it was in some, but not, yeah. you never, yeah. you didn't think in a million years this would actually happen. No. All, although saying that, we're supposed to be in a lockdown. There's like a traffic jam outside my flat. How's that? Like, what? There's, there's, it's not fishermen, is it? 
some fishermen <laughs> with trawlers uh, with lorries full of fish ready to dump on Boris Johnson's doorstep. How didn't oh, that yeah. happen? How didn't that happen the other day? Yeah. How didn't all of those fishing trucks that were in London dump all of that, all of those fish in Jacob Rees-Mogg's front room? In his lap. Yeah. When he was just... Oh, blows he, my mind. When he was talking the other day, he's going, oh, they... It's not about the fish, but at least they're, they're British fish now. I'm like, shut up, you... Yeah, what a fucking tit. Yeah, like, this has nothing to do with fish and everything to do with you lot trying to hang on to your money. This 100%. Is, isn't it? Absolutely, also, yeah. yeah. Oh, sold, just sold. doing it for their friends. and it just It's just mad. It's just where... How can a stupid idiot like myself, right, just a stupid South Wales Valley boy... How did I know Brexit was going to go so wrong? But yet people who own massive businesses involved in shipping things to the EU thought everything would be fine. How? I know. Just, <laughs> it blows my mind. I don't they, own a fishing company, but I knew that it was going to be a disaster. Of course it was. We all knew. Everybody knew. It It was like there was someone said famously, they were like, you know, it's like, it's like quitting the gym, but then still expecting to be able to go in there and use the equipment. Yeah, like, 100%. It's not gonna. Of course, it's all gonna be fucked. Every, yeah. and, and 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 now and now they're going. Oh yeah, now they're blaming. Now they're blaming us, the people that yeah. didn't vote for it. <laughs> like no, this is what yeah. you wanted. We told you it was gonna be a mess. But that's the thing. See, we've been shouting what they call Project Fear all this time. Yeah. And now it turns out it's Project Here, <laughs> and uh, it's happening. You you mad fools. Yeah. I, it's so- just it's just absolutely. Absolutely bonkers. Like it to is. me, like in the Bible, and I'm not religious, it does say that the earth, uh, the meek will inherit the earth. Yeah. But it really seems like the, the really thick have inherited the earth. <laughs> the for thick us and the to, selfish. Yeah, to get to where we are now, to be led down the garden path. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. It's just not helping no. my mental health, which brings us lovely to, uh, <laughs> to where, where we are at. now. I know. Yes. I know. When we had, we had a brief chat yesterday, uh, I you'd have to be, you'd have to be. There's have to be something wrong with you not to be, not to have your mental health be troubled at this time. You know. Yes. You'd have to be a yeah. robot, I think. Or yeah, or just unaware of it, which seems to be a running theme with, especially with Brexiteers as well. I found is like they're so blind to it, and like I've got friends from my town who voted for it. Um, just off the lies they saw in the newspapers or whatever. Yeah. And then when I'm saying, like, well, you know, what's going to happen now when there's, you know, struggles of the border and stuff? And he's like, oh, it's all right. They'll work it out. And I'm just like, who's they? The useless <laughs> Tories who have damaged everything for 10 years. Like, what are you talking about? And it's just, yeah, they're just blind to it. And because it doesn't directly affect their thing, they don't, they're not bothered. Which yeah. is exactly the same with the virus, really. Like, loads of my friends, I noticed, were, you know, all four lockdowns and all, and, you know, wearing masks and believing in the virus because it mm. actually exists. And then as soon as it infected their thing, they were like, oh, no, this isn't fair. And it's like, yeah. no, guess what? This is the same for everyone. It doesn't matter. And then, yeah. so, yeah, I got friends who were like bouncers who were like, I can't believe they shut the pubs. And I'm like, well, the public houses that are meant for socialising. Yeah, nobody should be socialising because it's a killer virus. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, well, I'm losing money. I was like, do you know what I mean? Like, I was meant to DJ last year at the uh, the official after show parties for the My Chemical Romance shows that oh, were meant wow. to be happening in Mintle Keynes, right? 
I'd blagged that somehow, right? And it was worth a fortune. I was mm. going to get paid a fortune. And my friend's like, oh, I can't believe it now. I've lost my extra income from not being able to work. I was like, I've lost all my income yeah. from this thing. But selfishly, uh, unselfishly, I'm not complaining and trying to get gigs happening so we can super spread. It's just... Yeah. Exactly. It's I just mean, that, so disheartening as well. It's just... Of course it is. And you're like, come on, if we just... I, I, I've been doing a I've got a day job and listeners to the podcast will, will know I've mentioned this before and I'm working with some really they're good lads and one of them said the other day he goes if everyone just stopped fucking around we could have a summer we could get yeah. out there again yeah. but like you say because it doesn't affect people directly they don't give a fuck or they keep going I, oh it's a conspiracy no it's yeah. not I just don't know how people are seeing photos of New Zealand and Australia and stuff doing gigs and aren't like well, let's do that. Why? Let's copy exactly what they've done right now, so we can get to that as soon as possible. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me why people are. I don't know, and just let it letting the government off and like feeling mm. sorry for Boris. It, yeah. He wanted the job. He got his dream job, and guess yeah. what? It just happened to be with the virus, and he, it, like the majority of it is on him. He should have shut down over a year ago, but he didn't. Yeah. And here we are. Exactly, exactly. Oh, man, I know. It, it, it's so frustrating, and we sit here. You feel helpless, don't you? Like you say, like we've we've all lost, we've all lost our our careers and and well. But that's we've been we we are the lucky ones. We haven't lost lives. We've been very lucky. Yeah. But it, you just sit here frustrated, going, "What can we do? We, we're doing everything we can, you know." But yeah. the, the people in charge aren't. Oh man, I don't know. It's like it's like being led by fucking clowns, isn't it? Just oh, it's, it's, that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I think it's it's probably like ninety percent the conservatives' fault, and then ten percent maybe your fault, because I've listened to your chat with Richard Herring, and yeah. you mentioned that every time you do something good, something awful happens. <laughs> so it's true. Um, <laughs> so I take yeah. I take responsibility for my part in this downfall. But also, I think that might be a mixture then of both of us because um, I used to be in a band called The Blackout, which did um, surprisingly well for six idiots from South Wales who wrote <laughs> mediocre best rock music. Um, and uh, we had a say in that uh, we literally, in the end, our last ever gig, um, an artist did paintings, six separate paintings for the, each member of the band with... The blackout, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. Yeah. So, in the end of, uh, towards the middle of 2019, we were asked by a major promoter in the UK, did the blackout fancy doing like a reunion tour? And I think it might be because we considered it for a couple of seconds. Right. That uh, the virus then, Mother Nature then created the virus to battle us getting back together and possibly being happy again. Yeah. So <laughs> I think it's a mixture between me and you, really. It's so I'm sorry us, for my. Yeah. Uh, I'm very sorry for my part. Um, I'm sorry too, everybody listening. We, yeah. Sean and I, are very sorry. Yeah, this, this yeah, has I didn't. I didn't know it was going to happen. So no, I would have well, warned everybody, but I didn't know. <laughs> so I'm. I am very sorry. <laughs> Do you know what? Mentioning uh, your band, there's a. The, the, I, people don't talk about this enough. There's such a. So many great bands that have come from Wales. And yes, I think there's such a great scene, such a great scene. Where uh, did you Where did you grow up? 
Um, I grew up and I currently live in 2008's third roughest town in Britain, Merthyr Tidville. Well, I know Merthyr Tidville. Do yes. you? What for? Yes. Why? Yes. Crime? I've Have you been buying drugs? <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> oh, well, that explains it all then. Yeah, of course. That's what, this is why already I could feel we have a connection. Like, yeah, you've you've done some things. I understand. <laughs> um, there is a massive scene. There is a massive scene. Yeah. Well, yeah. When I was, um, yeah. Well, when when the blackout started, I think we started in like two thousand and three. Um, before, yeah, before we started, there was, we were constantly looking at American bands. Like we loved American bands. Um, Mm. I will unashamedly admit that I have always and will always love Limp Bizkit. Yeah. Um, who literally took me from, I was kind of into indie prior to finding Limp Bizkit. So I was Mm. into like stereophonics, uh, from 15 miles away from where I live. Yes. So, um, you know, we saw them and we were like, oh, my God, they've managed to get out of their crap town. This is unbelievable. <laughs> so, like, I got in, I got into them and they were the first gig I ever went to. Um, and then I found Limp Bizkit and a song called Hot Dog, where um, yeah. he says the word fuck 48 times. <laughs> um, and I thought, swearing and shouting, oh, my good Lord, that's two things I can do brilliantly. Um, and then from then on... Yeah, I just completely changed the avenue of music I kind of liked. And I went from indie rock to that shouting, screamy goth music I was previously scared of. Yeah. And um, and yeah, and, and then ultimately I saw uh, Lost Profits play. And that yeah. completely, completely changed my life. And as much as, you know, uh, that's mm. kind of... It shouldn't. The name shouldn't be a buzzword. The, the name Lost Profit shouldn't be a buzzword. No. It's one of those boys um, committed the worst, terrible crimes of all time and deserves to be hung for it. Mm. Um, whereas the other five, you have never met a nicer bunch of people. Um, they were my inspiration growing up. They were my, my heroes for about yeah. three or four years before I even met them. Um, and they showed me that I could get out of my town and potentially yeah. make something of myself. And I'd never even thought of that prior to prior to seeing them. No. So, um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, they they literally inspired an incredible scene that came out of that. So you had yeah. Lost Prophets, Funeral for a Friend, um, Kids in Glass Houses. Uh, yeah. There was a band called Said Mike, who were cool. Um the blackout that some people liked, um, Bullet My Valentine. Um Amazing. And it bands. just grew and it just yeah. grew and grew and grew. And at one point there was I think there was like five or six of those bands were all practicing at the same time in the same rehearsal space. And it was like possibly three of the biggest bands in the UK at the time with like Bullet, Lost Profits and Funeral for a Friend all wow. being there. And we were all just standing there and just sitting about and like people would kill just to yeah. just to be around this lot. And here I am lucky enough that being a gobshite from Merthyr has got me into this position. Well he just it was there was there was such a those bands just blew up. Lost yeah. profits were everywhere, you know, bullet for my Valentine. All these bands were they it just took over the world and it was fantastic. Lost Profits was one of the last bands I ever moshed to. 
They were my, we were at Glastonbury. I remember getting up early and going, right, we're going to, I've got to go and see this band. And going down the front and and just, just, I just had such a good time. And my lads, we had, we had their first album was always on in the car. The guys I work with now at the t-shirt place, um, we, we have this conversation once a week, at least the sadness that we, that we feel when it comes to that band in particular. Yeah, well, there was um, such a great band, and we we often talk about we don't talk about Ian so much because like we we're all in agreement, obviously. Yeah, fuck him. But fuck yeah, fuck that evil sack of shit. We talk 100%. about the other lads. We talk about the lads and the effect it must have had on them and you, friends of friends that of course didn't know what the fuck was going on yeah he was probably a bit weird and you kind of go he's just a bit weird but no he was a, you didn't know this fucking scale of it no well yeah that's the thing it's like so i went from like hero worship to actually like befriend like becoming like best friends with the six of them mm. and um yeah he just over time we kind of realized he'd started to get into drugs yeah like he went from being straight edge to um next minute he just seemed agitated all the time and we were all like oh this seems corky and then he was hanging out with girls who were we knew were you know into partying or whatever and mm-hmm. then i think um i think towards the end and before he got arrested he was very much into crystal meth and stuff as well wow but okay. the other five of the band um uh, oh, I yeah, I am mentioning it, but yeah, I do a podcast called Sapnin Podcast with Sean Smith, yes. which talks about kind of the behind the scenes look at band life and and stuff like that, really. Mm. And episode fifty three, we had Stuart Richardson, the bassist of Lost yes, Profits, on. That's right. And he, uh, it was the first time any of them have ever spoken about it, which I found mad as well. Mm. Um, and. Yeah, because they reasoning... distanced themselves, didn't they? they were just... Well, yeah, that this is it. They kind of well, it was a mixture of distancing, and they didn't seem like they were um, victims mm-hmm. of this crime. Which yes, I believe they are. I hundred oh, percent yeah. believe they yeah. are. Um, Absolutely, they lost everything because of him. Um, they were about to sign a deal for a lot of money for an old album. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he literally he took he swiped everything from under him. Like you mm. know, they can't. Like Stu mentions on the podcast, like he can't tell people, he can't brag about the things he's done. Like they've headline download, they you know they sold out yeah. arena tours. They were massive. Um, yeah, yeah, they were absolutely massive. Number one album, um, and yeah, and that's all been taken. Like you know, some of them have just smashed their gold discs and stuff as well. Oh wow! And it's. It's insane. But Stu mentioned a, a story on my podcast about Ian missed a show on Warp Tour, right? Mm. So they were doing Warp Tour in the States, and that's like a tour that lasts all summer, and you play like car parks or stadiums. And um, so, yeah, Ian missed a show. Um, when he came, when he turned up, Stu from the band um, battered him with a can of Monster. Oh, really? He literally, yeah. And that yeah, was for right. missing a, sh- this is for missing a show. Right. Yeah. Bear in mind, Stu and all the other five people in Lost Profits at the time of parents as well. Mm. Right. So with everything that Ian did, like I think, because people think, oh, well, I've seen people online saying they must have known, and I was yeah, like, yeah. how do you know? How do you, like the, you? 
Like as soon as that fucking hotel hotel door is closed, who knows what's going on behind of there? Course. Nobody has an idea. No, and nobody suspected anything like that from him. And yeah, I think if any of Lost Profits did for a split second, he would have been beheaded in whatever place he was. Mm, of because, course, absolutely. Because they, well, it took, yeah, it just took everything and it hurt everybody. Like, yeah. you know, all their families were, um, you know, now get looked at differently. Um, yeah, like I they were in on it. Yeah, yeah. We we um we mentioned in the first episode of the of the podcast I do uh, that I spoke to like editors of like the biggest rock magazines in the UK, and I asked genuinely, do you think it affected like us and kids in glass houses and funeral for a friend? And they said yes. They said fuck. Some people will see you being tarnished because just because you're friends with them and friends with oh. him or was friends with him even though my friendship with him probably stopped two years prior to him being arrested. Yeah. Um, because he'd, he'd just gone weird. He'd gone very... Like, I've been guessing it was drugs, but yeah, he started getting paranoid about stuff. And um, I talked to a girl he knew, and then that's, that was it, I think. And then he kind of stopped talking to me. Um, wow. But yeah, luckily for me, like, I guess. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, we were tarnished with our brush as long, you know, as as well as kids in glass houses, oh, funeral man. for a friend, well, anyone from South Wales, because we were all in that kind of like a clique. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the only ones who got scot free, um, which is good for them, is Bullet from Valentine, because they kind of, they they were kind of the anti lost profits in the scene. Mm. They they when they came out, I remember the singer f- from Bullet from Valentine. His first interview in Kerrang! magazine, he said, why would Fern Cotton have rump steak when she can have fillet? Because at the time, Fern Cotton was seeing Ian. Yeah. And the singer Matt from Bullet, I guess, wouldn't have minded Fern Cotton as his girlfriend. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, so they kind of came out and, yeah, they always kind of distanced themselves from him, which is absolutely brilliant for them now. Mm. Um, but, yeah, everybody else was tainted with it. And I think we all... That we must were be. Brought, we yeah, were all brought down by it. And and how do you how do you recover from that? How do you what do you do? Like you like you say that it's it's because it, you weren't involved. It wasn't you. It was this this fucking horrible prick yeah. was off doing this the worst stuff imaginable. Or un, it was unimaginable. It's never in well, a million years that. Well, this is the know. thing. When it came out, when the news De- December the twelfth, two thousand and twelve, was when the news broke. Um, I woke up in this very room and there was a text of the bassist from my band saying um ian's in the news right mm. and my first thought was overdose yeah right he's dead so um so yeah reese yeah reese said ian's in the news and i said oh yeah and he said um yeah he's all right but also it's awful and i was like what mm. is this so then i read the I read the article and it said like for ha- sexual intercourse with with like a one year old or something oh, like that. It said, oh, yeah. and I, and instantly in my mind was like, whoa, the newspapers have got that super wrong. Surely they mean like f- like I thought maybe a fifteen year old he'd slept with a fifteen year old who told him she was older mm. or something like that. And in the newspapers they'd made a grammatical error yeah. by not writing one five. So yeah. in my mind I went. One W. What? 
they mean 15 like this is a this is an mm. error and then for it to come out like it, oh. it just blew everybody's like what the fuck are you th- yeah we, we to even- this day to this day it is shocking and it is it's just mind blowing i cannot believe it i cannot believe the man i knew or thought i knew would go on to do such an insane insane crime yeah it's fucking nuts I mean, we were affected as fans, you know. Just you. I mean yeah. that 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 kind of that that kind of that crime was. I mean, it's it's the worst thing I've I think I've ever heard of, and and we were affected as fans. So God knows what you lot must have felt like being yeah. being mates with him. I mean, although you weren't at the time, but that was someone you you had been close with at some point. And well, yeah, he'd been my hero. He'd literally yeah, been. Yeah. I'd seen him as as the. Um, the epitome of what could, what I could do as a Welsh frontman, mm. as somebody in a Welsh band. I was like, Jesus, what? Yeah. We have the ability to headline download. What we can do these tours, and we take like insane. Like they took one tour they did was Lost Profits, Take It Back Sunday, and My Chemical Romance open from. And Fuck. now you look at that, and that's a stadium tour. Um, and yeah, it's just I saw him as like the epitome of what what was possible. And then you find out he's done what he's done. Uh, it's just yeah. insane, and it's just. And and you guys, like, yeah, go on. Go on. I, I just wanted like my first thought was I want to check in on his mother because I knew his mother had just had like a liver, liver or kidney transplant or something not yeah, long right. before he got arrested. And then when I spoke to any of the Lost Prophets boys and I asked how their families were doing and you know had anybody been in touch with Ian's mother. Everybody had just distanced themselves yeah. because nobody knew what to do, and we all thought it was the best thing to do. So, yeah, it's, it's just it's it's just a crazy mom, situation. What did his mum say? I mean, she must have been. Well, I don't know. Well, this is the <sighs> thing. We've nobody's. Oh, yeah, nobody I did. Think, oh, I see. I don't Sorry. think nobody has, because I know one of the one of the guitarists' mothers lived opposite his mother, mm. but I don't know if they've spoken since, and I haven't heard anything, but. Um, yeah, it was just it was just awful. But that's the thing with these; it's not just it. It's not it, it affects so many people, doesn't it? And, it, and yeah. you never, like I've said, as a fan, we we talk about this. I've I think this conversation comes up at least once a week with different people where we just go fuck. Yeah, the, you know, and that's on our level. So fuck knows what you must deal with on a daily basis. It must just must yeah, just be it gets some. Um, you know, yeah, I'm not, this is the thing, I'm not like opposed to talking about it to anyone because I genuinely, I think my mission now is, right, I wouldn't have anything I've got right now if it wasn't for Lost Profits, right? Mm. Like, I wouldn't have made the leap to rock, you know, metal yeah. rock stuff. I wouldn't be doing this now. I wouldn't I wouldn't have the podcast I've got now because the podcast is based on stories I got to live through because of the blackout and Lost yeah. Profits or whatever. So... Yeah, it just I've got everything because of them, and I just I th- it's it's kind of now my mission I've taken on to if I hear anybody talk shit about them, yeah, I, I instantly I'm instantly into fucking sticking up for the boys and trying to exonerate them mm, because absolutely. I think that's my that's my mission. Like I would have nothing if it wasn't for them. So yeah, um, and yeah, that podcast with Stu is it's the proudest one I've done. I'm this the one I'm most proud of because. We got to get their story out there, yeah. And people, oh, for sure, 
people literally got in touch with us after it saying thank you so so much for this um because some of them doubted that the boys did know mm. and doubted the boys and they needed that they needed the closure from the boys and um yeah we had people saying thank you so much like even just for the graphic that we did for the show because he said Stu Richardson um Thursday because he's in a band called Thursday no mm. devotion slash lost profits and just us putting lost profits on the graphic we were getting people messaging us and mailing us saying thank you so so much for that it's I'm glad somebody's trying to you know make yeah. it clean the name man clean the name yeah. like it's not a dirty word um no. And it's genuinely the thing I'm most proud of. Um, there's some brilliant stories on there. And I think for anybody who thinks for a second, when they hear the name Lost Profits and they're sickened, they want to listen to that to hear what everybody else in the band went through. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. they were fucking robbed. They were fucking oh, it's, mugged. Yeah. It's fucking awful. It's awful. And I know people are like, oh, oh pity band didn't get him. But it's like, that's their life. It's their legacy. Like, you can't even... You can't even audition for a new band because people are going to go, oh, what band do you used to be in? And then you tell them and they and they automatically think negatively of you. Oh, and that's ins- it's bonkers to me. It's it absolutely bonkers. fucking bollocks, that is. Absolutely yeah, bollocks. So many people in the alternative scene owe a career to Lost Profits. Yeah. Bring Me The Horizon, for example. I have Great seen band. All, Great band. Yeah, fantastic band. I have heard Ollie Sykes several times mention his favourite band growing up was Lost Profits. So that they're one of the biggest bands in UK metal now. Yeah. So without yeah, without Gloss Profits, I genuinely I can't imagine what the scene would look like. Um No, they did they changed the they changed it, didn't they? Changed the yeah. they changed everything. Well yeah, fashion. They changed yeah. fashion yeah, as well. Yeah, when they yeah. came out, they were the band wearing tight like second hand vintage t shirts and big baggy jeans and nobody had seen that at the time. No. Like they were dressing like new metal. They were dressing like Limp Biscuit, I guess. And well, I remember, yeah, go on. I, I remember Topshop then came along and started doing fashion very much like st- the style of Lost Profits. So it, it was like next minute they had vintage tees for sale and stuff in Topshop and big baggy jeans. And I was like, not only have they done it musically and made like made everybody in the valleys realize, oh, we can do Americanized rock. Yeah. And we don't have to stick to indie and doing sad songs about mining villages. We can just fucking write songs about whatever we want and have a good time. And they they were such a brilliant, brilliant um, inspiration across everything. Yeah, They looked amazing, they sounded awesome, and they put on one of the best live shows you've ever seen in your life. It was all that, all those bands, the, all, everything, that amalgamation of rock and hip-hop was such a it was so inspirational i remember yeah. seeing i remember seeing one, one of them had like he had purple trousers on like there were but it was like skate sort of type vibe like van something and i was like i want a pair of those i yeah. need to get a pair of them i'd never thought about purple trousers until then no nope. i saw that and i'm like fuck yeah that's what i'm after and that's how you know when a scene is is, is when a scene is so powerful when like you say fashion changes you know, yeah. like when Oasis blew up and everyone started dressing like them, and that's how you know that it's 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 cha- when you're changing when you're when you're you you're not you're not you're just the, the, you're the zeitgeist you're it. Yeah, it must be. Well, phenomenal. I remember. Um, yeah, well, I remember when I was just a fan of Lost Profits before the, like I was even on their radar. I remember taking photos of them into hairdressers. <laughs> yeah, and going, 
give me this. I need this. And they're looking at it going, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, hey, it's what I like. So chuck it on the, chuck it on the noggin. Um, so yeah, changed, they changed, they literally changed everything for so yeah. many people. And there's so many bands today that I don't even know if they realize how important lost profits are in them existing. Yeah. Yeah. So many bands. It's just like you say, which is why it's important to talk about the, the legacy. Yeah. And the lads, the because they are a talented band, regardless of that evil sack of shit. The lads yeah. themselves, having seen them up front and personal, phenomenal musicians. Incredible. Oh, unbelievable. And I think yeah. that's that's why they're lucky. Um, well, not they're lucky, I, I guess. That's why I'm glad that some of them haven't stopped making music. So Stu, Lee, um, yeah, Stu and Lee from Lost Prophets, he's the guitarist and the bassist. They're now in a band called No Devotion with um, Jeff Rickley, who who fronts Thursday. Um, And that's awesome. Mike from Lost Prophets also used to be in that band, but I think he stepped down now. And Mm. yeah, it's just amazing that those boys have kept making music because... Just after the chat with Stu, you could see how heartbroken they were. And yeah. I know when my band ended, my band ended, the blackout ended in March 28th, 2015, right? Mm. My band ended just because um, the boys had got married and had kids or whatever. And, you know, uh, things were kind of slowing down with the band as their families were kicking off. So the boys wanted to go and do family stuff and, and, uh, and that stuff. And I know how devastated I was for my mm. band ending for the next th- three or four years. Like, I literally did nothing. I just thought, oh, I'm done now. Like, yeah. I just thought, um, well, I was promised, like, when I was in the band, I kind of, just before the end of the band, I'd, like, made inroads with some people. Like, I talked to, like, a radio presenter and told her how I wanted to get into radio. And she was like, mm. oh, I'll help you out. I'll help you out. So, I, like, Brilliant. I kind of, well, yeah, wait now, wait now. Remember, <laughs> r- remember earlier when I said about the paintings we had done? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's coming round full circle. So when the end of the band came, I wasn't that worried because I knew, like, this woman had promised me this thing. And because she would phone me up, whenever she wanted something from the blackout, she'd phone me up and I'd, and we'd do it. We'd just go down there and record for her whatever she wanted. So when it, the time came... Um, we we split up, and I probably sent uh, five messages in the first six months, um, asking is any chance I could take up her offer of coming on, and learning the reins, and I didn't hear back from her until March of last year, when we had the really bad floods in South Wales, and she realised I was valuable again because of the podcast and my new band. Uh, okay. So seeing that and seeing the drop off and seeing how many people the blackout helped or um, made money for, and mm. there's some people we made quite a bit of money for, who yeah. would always promise they'd have our backs, and as soon as the band ended, they were nowhere to be seen of and course. couldn't get in contact with them or they just didn't reply. <sighs> and... Yeah, it was such a crazy drop-off for me. So what it must have been like for the Lost Profits boys, literally one day you're in a band and you're, you're just about to get a massive, massive check again for mm. an old album. And then, whoop, the carpet's gone and now you're all branded 
with this fucking scumbag. Oh, must have been. I can't even imagine what that must have felt like. like yeah, you, I don't. Like I, you, you, I've, I'll be honest. I've struggled um, since my band ended. Mm. So, what it must have been like for them is insane. I don't know how they got through it. Because that's what we all dream of when we're growing up. I know I did. I really wanted to be in a band. It was, but I wasn't around musicians. I wasn't. Nobody really said, "Oh yeah, you can do that." And I didn't really think. I didn't really. It never really went anywhere. But it was like it was a dream. But you got to, you got to do that. That yeah, that you I got did. to. Wow, man. You and, yeah. It was, it, yeah, it's like well, I say it on the podcast every week. Like it's the fact that <laughs> the fact I've been allowed near a lot of the people I've been near. Yeah. That that in itself is mind blowing. <laughs> the fact that I'm friends with some of my heroes, my musical heroes, um, like I got numbers in my phone. Uh, it's it's insane. And when you break it down to something like I am just a fella from Merthyr Tidville, right? Just an idiot from Merthyr Tidville, and in my phone I've got some of the most ridiculous people you've ever come across. Crazy. Uh, and it's just nuts to me. It's to this day it blows my mind that I've got. One of the first albums I ever bought, right, was Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusion 2, right? Oh, yeah. I know it's not the best of the Use Your Illusions, <laughs> but I was young and I saw a parental advisory sticker and I was like... That was it. Yeah, I want to read yeah. the word fuck. Because it was back when you couldn't read the word fuck anyway. Yeah. It's true, there was no internet, there was no phones, you couldn't even write it down yourself. Um, <laughs> so I picked up Use Your Illusion 2. Cut 20 years later, I'm sat in a, uh, a minivan in Australia with my best friend Scott from Merthyr, and next minute, Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses comes in, sits between us, and he starts talking to us, and he says, um, oh, so what part of South Wales are you from? And we were like, ah, oh, 30 miles north of Cardiff. And he went, what part of South Wales are you from? And I was like, you won't, f- you won't have heard of it. I said, Merthyr Tidville. Oh, he said, I know Merthyr Tidville. I've read a book called M for Merthyr, or Dial M for Merthyr. And I was like, what the what? fuck? That's about my friend's band. <laughs> I was like, you fu- ah, you're fucking Duff McKagan. And then, so basically, we were on our way to go and watch Chris Jericho and Scott Ian from Anthrax. Um, Chris Jericho was a WW- well, former WWE wrestler and uh, frontman of a band called Fozzie. And they were doing spoken word. So our wow. own tour manager was friends with Duff. So we invited Duff along. So he came with us. So we literally had the best seats in the house. We, they oh. moved us up to the front. They literally moved civilians oh. out of the way. I felt like a king. I felt like Axl Rose for five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> and um, yeah, we sat there. It was me again, me, my friend Scott, just two, two in my opinion, two lads from Merthyr, Duff McKagan. And then Duff was like, oh, let's go backstage. I was like, what the fuck? We went backstage. <laughs> me and Scott were the least famous people in the room. It was me, Scott, Duff McKagan, Scott Ian from Anthrax, Chris Jericho from WWE fame, and Kerry King from Slayer. Fuck. And I was like, we do, we do not belong in you. We do not belong <laughs> in you, Scott. If if anybody like from big management was here now, they'd be like, these two have got to go. It's not safe for them to be around you guys. Um, but there's been so many times I've found myself in that predicament where I'm, again, as everybody listening to this will know, just a dickhead from South Wales. And, yeah, I've just... 
You lived the dream. You, you I've did lived it. The, I have lived the dream. I have yeah. lived the dream, and it's 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 fucking insane. What a fantastic dream it's been. Yeah, that's about because I get we have I've conversations with this about this sort of thing with other comedians, and and I talk about the people I've worked with, and 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 then and then we have, like like again I'm going yeah, but you know I'm just this fucking idiot from Kent. How did I get to be in a room with these people? And you go because yeah. you worked at it, because you grafted, and you and you went after it, and that's where you that's why you got where you that's why you got the things you got because you put the work in and you far from being not far from not being you shouldn't be in that room you should absolutely have been in that room you should absolutely <laughs> have been having these conversations because you were you're part of that thing you're and what i found as well that these big stars they still have these days where they go ah fuck you know Oh Again, yeah, like Liam Gallagher the other day or ages ago they just he just he just said sometimes he just gets up and he's like oh fuck and he looks yeah. in the mirror and he goes, "Ah, you're all right, you fucking Liam Gallagher." And then he gets on with yeah. his day. But you I know, wouldn't mind that for myself. Yeah, I yeah. wish I could look in the mirror and see Liam Gallagher and then you go, look oh, "Cool as f- fuck, man." Yeah, you're- nah. But then I was thinking, yeah. But then he comes with his, "Oh, I am Liam Gallagher. I'm fucking minted." <laughs> so it comes out of oh. money. Yeah, yeah. I never need to work again. Oh, what a wonderful. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> brilliant, like. I got. Um, yeah, I think my mental health would be vastly improved if I didn't have to worry about. That's the pay, thing. This all, the bills. You know, people say, oh, moneyness can't buy you happy. Uh, uh, money can't buy you happiness. But uh, I'd like to give it a go. <laughs> it can Let buy you try. a little bit. Yeah. Give me a couple of million. Let me have a bash. For fuck's sake. I'll tell you if it does. I'm guessing it does. Because I'd be well better off. <laughs> <laughs> so did you get but, stuck in like proper rock star shenanigans? Uh, that's what we want. We want our rock stars to be. We want them uh, yeah. to be doing the things we can't do. I had a bash, I guess. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. It depends what you're talking about, I guess. Um, I just realised <laughs> I've just incriminated myself. Um, <laughs> we just uh, look. We know our rock stars. We, we're not. When I say that, when I go, we want our rock stars to be getting out there and taking risks and doing the things that we can't do. And I don't mean we're not talking about what we talked about earlier. I'm talking yeah. about getting on it. You're getting on it, and it's, oh yeah, I had a good bash of that. Is, yeah, yeah. Well, basically, um, the Blackout had an album called Hope which we um, crowdfunded via mm. Pledge Music. We were one of the first people to, one of the first acts to ever use, like Pledge and Kickstarter oh, and stuff know, to, yeah. f- to fund a record. Charlie Simpson was the first before us with Pledge. Oh, right. He did a, he did a self, um, yeah, he did a solo album. And then they got in touch with us and asked, would we, um, would we like to do it? So at first we thought it was kind of like begging your fans for money. So we were like, oh, we don't really want to be seen as this. And then we had to explain to us that anything that you sell doesn't have to be bought. If people don't want to buy it, they don't have to buy it. So whatever. So, um, yeah, we did this album where it was called Hope. And it was basically all in the hope that we'd get to carry on being a band, I guess. Brilliant. Um, Which was kind of like a sad kind of melancholic, but also look into the future type album. And then after that, we did two years of that album cycle. And it was during that time I had started um, partying, shall we say. Yep. Um, and I would finally found drink because I did 10 years of being straight edge. I was drinking drug free for 10 years. Okay. 18 to 28, I believe. Yeah, right. Um, and that was just you didn't fancy it, didn't want to do it, not asked. No, I did it once. I got drunk once when I was 15. I drank three litres of white lightning outside somebody's house. We were going to a house party. Yeah. And I'd never touched alcohol before. And I drank three litres of white lightning. Fuck. Stood up, 
everything went and went upside down. (laughs) And then you wouldn't believe the things I tried at the house party. Um, I smashed a pint glass over my head. I tried. (laughs) The thing is, right, I was a very happy child. Like, I was a very happy person at this time. Um, So I don't know where all this came from. Um, I tried to stab myself with a bread knife, apparently. That's mad. Yeah, it didn't work, so I wasn't trying hard enough. Um, (laughs) Smashed a pint glass over my head, and I stupidly, drunkenly fell over, and I thought I was um, engaged in a sexual act with somebody um, while they were fully clothed. uh, Clothed. So yeah, it was. It was. I was just ham, and it was enough to put me off drinking. Well, for thirteen plus years after that, then I guess. but yeah, when it came to 18... But that was, again, that was like lost profits and stuff. They were all straight edge at the time. Mm. And I was like, this is cool. Well, I don't need to drink or take drugs like everybody else in Merthyr Tidville, which is yeah, known right. for known for alcoholism and drug use. Is it really? Uh, yeah. So that's, that's, why you got, that's why you got 2008's third roughest town in Britain. It's, right. um, it's based on drug use, alcoholism, um, income... Uh, what else? Yeah, just how rough it is, how many council estates there are. We got Europe's biggest council estate, I believe. Not that there's something to brag about, but. Wow. Um, and as you can tell, I will not be running for mayor of Merthyr anytime soon. <laughs> I, well, I've gigged a few times. In, in When I started comedy, It was a lot of it was around sort of South Wales. And so you had Blingaru, uh, Blackwood, and yeah. those places. So I'm aware, I'm aware of the. Of what you're talking about? Where in um, where in Blackwood did you play? The the Miners Institute. That's the first place I ever saw Lost Profits. Really? Downstairs in Blackwood Miners in a small room. Fuck. Um, four to five hundred people. I literally before that the only other gig I'd ever been to was Stereophonics in Morpher Stadium. So we went from loads of indie bucket hat wearing um corduroy lads. Mm. to all of a sudden I was seeing a mosh pit for the first time where people were swinging their arms into each other and jumping on each other. And there was members of the band, like Jamie from the band was like running across the crowd's heads. And I was just (laughs) there going, what is this? This looks like hell. And I love it. (laughs) I love it. And it just, it literally changed my life, that gig in that venue. So, And did you find, because we had uh, Nicky Wire's brother on, Patrick, and we were talking to, I was talking to him about what it must have been like for the lads growing, because, you know, growing up in Blackwood, but being how they were. And was that the same with you, with you, like the alternative scene? Was it sort of, did you feel, sort of, did you stick out or did you say, no, fuck it, I don't care. This is, did you have your tribe? Because I know where I grew up, if you'd yeah. addressed it a little bit differently, you would have got your head kicked in. It was that oh, kind definitely. of. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But do you remember the day? Because I was talking about this with my um, my younger girlfriend the other day, and she she has no clue about this. I remember back in the day, if you saw somebody with a rock based hoodie on, any mm. band, any band, you'd give them a nod in the street to be like, "I like rock as well." It didn't even matter if you yes. hated the band they had on; you would still be like, "Ooh, System of Down hoodie, nice, bro, nice." Whereas yeah. now, you just automatically don't speak to anybody else. Um, but yeah, we. What I found out is, we're, like we're talking about, did we stick out or... Um, so, uh, 
like 60 years ago, my grandfather managed the Castle Cinema in Merthyr Tydfil in the centre of town. Mm. And it's only lately that I found out that they put on gigs there back in the 50s and 60s and 70s. They had Led Zeppelin play there. They had Pink Floyd play there. Um, And then, so a guy got in touch with me about doing a BBC documentary about it because exactly, well, nearly exactly 50 years later, I started promoting and started putting gigs on in South Wales to get people to come to Merthyr to to um, gig because we didn't have any international or, well, didn't have any national bands come in at the time. It was just local bands would play every week. So me and my friend were like, right then, we need to get some bands from that England. Um, <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, we ended up putting shows on and like the first ever shows that were in Merthyr of the new rock scene we put on. And then, yeah, th- then the BBC researcher found out that it was like exactly 50 years before when my grandfather started putting wow. massive gigs on in. So, well, they were they were massive at the time because Pink Floyd weren't massive yet, but he literally did the same thing as me 50 years later. Fuck. And, oh, 50 years earlier. And that, that kind of blew my mind because... Yeah. I'm not really one for... Um, you know, thinking things are linked or, you know, it'll happen. history repeats itself even. Um, yeah. It does. So I'm wrong. That's mad. Was, yeah. Were you aware of what your grandfather had done before that? You, no, I knew he'd no. been the manager of the cinema, but then I just thought it was films. So yeah. it was until the guy doing the documentary was like, oh, no, you would have been involved. Like he was there from 1955 to like 1980 something. Wow. So they were like, he definitely would have been involved with all of, like the manager of the cinema, it, it would have had yeah. to have gone through him. Fuck. And yeah, so like he's, he dealed with all these bands. And the thing is, like I remember him when I was younger and I don't ever remember him being into music or anything like that either. So maybe he wasn't, but he just so happened to put on what went on to be some of the greatest bands of all time Fuck. in Merthyr Tidville. Like. Yeah. That is incredible. It must be something in you. You must have something in your DNA that yeah, want, that made wanting to that, make something interesting happen in Merthyr. That's yeah, what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. And what I, I I love that that what you've just told me is beautiful. I love shit like that. Yes. The, I remember my dad telling me. My dad got me into music. I've mentioned this loads before. Yeah. But it, but he tells me stories about seeing like John Lee Hooker in the Civic Centre in the small town we grew up in, yeah. seeing the seeing the Who or the Kinks in a bingo hall in Bromley Mad. or wherever, and and you're like fuck, you know, the seeing the small faces at uh, Chiselhurst Caves, it, it it's, it's mad, it, it, it blows my mind. I I love that shit. Yeah. And so when people tell me like with everything that's going on now, they go, oh, everything's fucked, everything's fucked, and you go, it will find a way. Someone yeah. somewhere will find a darkened room somewhere with a few plugs, and they'll go right. We're doing a gig in here, yeah. And it'll all, it'll all, it will come back. It will just oh, take, I, it just I, takes people yeah. like yourself that with a bit more vision than the rest of us to go right. We're going to do it over there, you know. Yeah, I, well, I don't yeah, know if it was vision. I wouldn't say it was vision. I think it was probably naivety at the time. It was just like, oh, we'll bugger it. I'll put. Well, the first gig I ever put on was Four Foot Fingers, who were a ska band. Um, Brilliant. who came from England like a band coming from England at the time was big news in Merthyr Tidville really 
uh, yeah, it was almost as if aliens had landed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, well, you were talking That's about amazing. like uh, rooms you've been in where you felt like uh, you shouldn't have been allowed. Like, who's I been with? Who have you gigged with that uh, has blown your mind? Just, or just people. I'm trying to think now. Now I've said it. I'm trying to think. It's just, it just. I can't, I can't think off the top of my head who it was. But there's people like. like I love well, Richard Aaron. So when you, when I saw the other day, when you asked me to do this, I was like, he must have got the wrong Sean Smith. This is fucking insane. <laughs> and then I had to look at your list and I was like, oh my God, it's loads of comedians I love as well. Um, but that's, yeah, those people I've, I've sort of, I've worked with over time. I've been doing comedy 15, well, I started in 2004, 16 years. Yeah. And it, and it, yeah, these people I came up with. So I was talking to somebody the other day when you had Richard Herring on your podcast. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it was just yeah. rich. Like, I know him, sort of, and it. They go, no, no, no. This is massive. I go, is it? Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's yeah. Just, well, it's, he literally, yeah. him and Stu literally formed my um, um, my comedic taste, I guess, because I've always wanted yeah. to have a bash. I've always wanted to try stand up. Um, I know probably everybody says Stu, and I'm so sorry. I think but, you'd be great. <laughs> um. But I just, uh, it's something about me that just won't write things down. Like, I'll I come up with something down. and I'll yeah. be like, right, oh, this will be good to remember. And then um, <laughs> I get involved in a Jamaican cigarette and I forget everything I've previously <laughs> done in my life. So, um, yeah, look, like, but yeah, back to, Rich, back to Rich for a sec. I, I remember being probably 12, 13, 14. And seeing um, this morning with Richard, not Judy, on BBC Two on a Sunday, and I remember, I distinctly remember seeing they did a sketch during it where um, Stu pretends to be Jesus, and then they go yes. through like Bible studies bits and like show how it's um, hypocritical, I guess. Like there's a bit in it where Judas comes along and he kisses Jesus, obviously, and then Jesus gets led away. So um, yeah. Jesus goes, ah, but, you know, you've kissed me and you're a traitor. And then Judas goes, yeah, but if I don't, if I don't stab you in the back, you don't get killed for our sins. So technically, Judas could be the saviour of mankind. Oh, and it was just yeah. things like that in Richard Aaron and Stuart Lee that made me go, oh, yeah, religion's yeah. bollocks. That's mad. <laughs> this doesn't make sense at all. And then since then, like, I've seen... I've went to a, um, a Leicester Square Theatre, Rehalistapa, he calls them. I've been to a, um, a couple of them when I was recording um, an album called Start the Party. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, oh, yeah, that's, sorry, I'm all over the place, but that's where I started partying. And ultimately, I wrote an album about me partying. And we have a song called Higher and Higher. And... Um, <laughs> the the fans then I think because myself I got into my partying phase I was thinking oh all the fans have come in with me on this they're all the same so we wrote an album called Start the Party and we shot videos in Ibiza where we were out with Matthew Pritchard from Dirty Sanchez wow, doing yeah, mad shit yeah, on the boat yeah. and um, yeah I was very partying while forgetting my audience was a bunch of goths who just wanted me to be miserable, <laughs> introspective, and yeah. yeah, and ultimately, ultimately they won. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, start the party. Fine. 
Yeah, start the party <laughs> failed, and then I went back to being miserable. So you got what you wanted, Goths. Yeah, well done, Goths. <laughs> and now you sleep upside down in a darkened wardrobe. And just... Yeah, like Del Preston from Wayne's World 2. Yeah. Um, I cannot be harmed by conventional weapons because I sleep upside down now. <laughs> I tell you what, actually, there was a moment for me. I was in the. I think it was when I got to perform at the comedy store. That was oh. when I started doing because that was like that was everything for me. It was like when I yeah. when I reached that, that's when I know I've I've achieved. And I remember being in the green room and Alexis Sale was in one corner chatting and. Wow. With some other people in the other court, and I'm just sitting there. That was when I went, "Oh my god, what yeah. am I doing? This is fucking mad." And there was yeah. there was one night. It was one night there. I went out and I was emceeing, and I went out, I did my bit, and I came back in the green room, and and Simon, there's two Simons, and Big Simon came through, Simon Mason, and he just went, "Rich, look, listen to me. They're not doing you a favour by having you on here. You're meant to be here, all right? They've they've got yeah. you in because they know you can do it." So stop fucking around and fucking do what yeah. you do. Because he could see nice. I was nervous and it was and it changed everything for me. Yeah. It made I went, that's what I wanted to hear. You're supposed to be here. So that's what I was saying to you. You're supposed to be there. You yeah. you, well, you worked hard to get to that point. Yeah. Well it, yeah. after after the blackout failed, um I ended up working with <laughs> do you know Jason Perry from the band A? I know Jason. Jason and yes. Adam live around the corner from me. Shut up. I, I know been, him. Um, I spent plenty of time in uh, Leon Sea, South End on Sea. That's where um, I'm at right now. Unbelievable. Lovely but, blokes yeah, I, as well. Yeah, if it wasn't like Jason um, came on board with my band, The Blackout, from our second album, The Best in Town, and we went to Texas oh, and recorded cool. with him. And that man there probably he changed my life for the better when he he became involved in my band. And he made me realise that I think I was getting a bit too big for my boots. I was getting okay. a bit because just before the Best in Town came out, we sold out the Astoria in wow. two thousand and eight or two thousand and nine, I believe it was. Great and we venue were the that was, yeah. We were the fourth ever um, unsigned band to sell it out. Fucking um, hell! Which is yeah, which was insane. Um, but then. Yeah, so I was getting a little bit big for my boots, shall we say. And then <laughs> I met Jason and he made me realise that, because I loved A, I love Nothing. Nothing's mm. one of my, it's what a song, what an absolute uh, <laughs> new, me- new metal banger. Great album. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> and Alan Partridge reference as well, so double trouble. Um, uh, yeah, so like he came along and he made me realise that I didn't have to be a dick. I could just be lovely to everybody. And, nice. yeah, he literally changed my life. And him and Adam... So I ended up working with them um, on a project called Hello World that we did a couple of years after the blackout split up. Yeah. Um, and we put on two events in Genting Arena in Birmingham over two days and had 12,000 people turn up or whatever. And we ended up going to LA to do like research and go to a bunch of... Um, like video cons, like the YouTube conventions and stuff. Oh yeah, because, yeah, yeah. I know. Because we were we were looking for YouTube talent to be involved in our um festival, pretty much. And oh, yeah. I ended up outside the uh comedy store in LA, and I was just standing there, and I was just amazed by the building because I've seen it 
so many times yeah. and I've seen so many comedians performing it, you know, on YouTube or through the years. And I literally, I had to make a story. I made an Instagram story saying just to check myself to be like, one day I'm going to perform <laughs> in this building. Um, and I just oh, remember, my. yeah, just being stood outside and reading all the names outside and you're like, fuck, this is insane. Like, yeah. And yeah, one it's, day I hope to have a bash. I tell you what, when this all kicks, when this all calms down and we're allowed back out, you're, we're, we're going to get you a gig. We're going to get oh, you up on stage. We're going to get I'd you doing that. it. I, I think you'd be great. Just listening it, to you, I think you'd be brilliant. I just don't, yeah, it's not the getting up on stages. Like I see people saying, oh, getting up on stage is the hardest part. And that's, that's easy. For done, that's yeah. literally, yeah, yeah. it's it. It's easy. Um, but that's it. It is the hardest bit. I've said, People have said to me before, oh, I'd, I'd really like to give it a go. I'm like, that's the hardest bit, getting up. Once yeah. you've gotten up you and you do your bit, you might you might crash and burn. You might, you might get a couple of laughs, but you will know whether you want to do it again. That's yeah. the thing. It's after you made that step, because I, I my first gig, two and a half minutes, it's supposed to be five. Yeah. I did two and a half minutes. But I wanted to do it again. I was like, I need that. I need it. And so I know, yeah. I know already that I want to do it again, even if the first one bombs. We're yeah. gonna. This is gonna be a project now. We're gonna get you up. You're gonna I love do it. it. I love You're it. Gonna Please do, do it. it. Force me to because yes. I need it. I need it. And do you know what? I when it um, when it happens, then I, I'll give you the ten percent of the first good year I make. <laughs> um, I would just be happy to just see you doing it. I want it. We're yeah, you say that now. You say that now. We'll talk about <laughs> it off here. Um, <laughs> when they go, yeah, yeah oh, can I have some gigs? They go, no, we don't need you anymore, Rich. We've got Sean down. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. What? Get- <laughs> I literally got in the gig and I'm like, I've never heard of this, Rich. It's like, we've got, we, we've got your podcast you're on. I wasn't on any, but I recorded that audio myself talking to myself. I don't know what, I don't know what he's told you. It's full of shit, What's that, the, Rich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking mad, that Rich. <laughs> Says he knows everyone, but it, idiot. But like some of my... Like, one of my favourite moments ever, bear in mind, right, and this is me showing how much I love comedy, right? This isn't, like, a fucking brag or anything like that. Like, I've I've been on stage the middle of the day in Reading, on the main stage, we've played to 60-plus thousand people, right? And played these fucking insane gigs and toured with Limp Ended up singing with Limp Bizkit once, right? Fuck. I literally did an impression of Fred Durst at Fred Durst, right? <laughs> hey man, wake up and smell the concrete. It's strange to see a change like the LP. Yeah, I literally did that to the man's face, right? So that's one of my greatest memories. But one of my greatest memories was the Blackout won in 2005. We won best new band at this Welsh event called the Pop Factory Awards, right? Yeah. And I went up on stage and I didn't have a speech prepared or anything. And I literally thanked everybody, everybody's parents, apart from our guitarists, because his mother was my English teacher. And I said, thanks to everybody else's parents, apart from James's mother, who was my English teacher. And now my fucking words are taking her son around the world. Right? Yeah. And I came off stage and Rod Gilbert came up to me and said, oh, that was really funny what you did up there. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> And I was just so blown away that Rod Gilbert thought that something I did was funny. And then I said, oh, can I, can I have a photo with you? And it was back before be- before he did that mince pie stuff, before he had the oh, big yeah. shows or whatever. i just known him from, like, doing the circuit. And I asked him for a photo, and he was like, what? You want a photo with me? And I was like, yeah. And he couldn't get over it. And I couldn't get over it. He thought I was funny. So there's, it's always been in me that I've needed 
to be funny and I've always wanted people to think I'm funny, I guess. Mate, um, I'm telling you now, Sean, it's going to happen. I'm, oh. I, it's going to happen. You've got it. You've absolutely got it. And this has been an absolute joy to talk to you. I've really, I've really, this has been phenomenal, man. Thank um, you. Honestly, Thank you. where uh, where can we find you? Um, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, uh, on, oh, wait, I don't know which one's which. Right, on Twitter, I am unverified because I've got the username at Sean Smith Sucks. That's S E A N Smith Sucks because I thought if I just do that, it saves trolls time. I thought <laughs> if I just say I suck now, what can you say? Sean, you suck. On Instagram, I'm unverified because I've got the name at fake Sean Smith um, because the real one was taken. And um, yeah, now I cannot get verified whatsoever. Um, again, I do the podcast, Sapping podcast um at sapping pod on twitter and instagram thank you very much and i i'm back in a band i got a band called raiders um who a week literally a week before we went to announce the start of the band some bastards took the band name on everything so spotify apple everything so it's raiders raiders space uk everywhere to listen to um we have a song that we wrote two years ago where the end of it goes, everything is turned to shit. And because I'm so sarcastically miserable, it goes, everything is turned to shit. Fuck yeah. And we put that out at the beginning of the pandemic. And it I can't believe I, it's almost as if we wrote the song in December yeah. this year, but f- for March last year. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's a song called Destructor Bot. Um, by Raiders so yeah I do a podcast called Sapling Podcast Raiders Band um, and I used to be in the blackout so if anybody wants to check out what sort of shit that used to be please do Um, dude this has been such a wonderful chat thank you very much for having me thank you Insane in the Membrane Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk. Shooting, live streaming and podcast production.